The Trip Hacks DC podcast is temporarily back from hiatus because in this episode, I'm going to be talking to two expert travelers about traveling during the coronavirus pandemic, including to Washington, D.C. Welcome to the Trip Hacks DC podcast. Discover the best tips, tricks, and travel hacks for your visit to the nation's capital. And now, here's Rob and this episode's special guest. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Trip Hacks DC podcast. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or see the show notes from this episode, you can do that over at triphacksdc.com slash podcast. Today, I am joined by Mark and Jocelyn Walters of Walters World to discuss traveling during COVID-19. So, Mark, Jocelyn, welcome to the podcast. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks, Rob. Good to see you again. Good to be back on the podcast. Of course. It's great to have you because I put the podcast on hiatus uh, when COVID hit because travel slowed down a little bit. And then it turned out that people started to get going again. And I wanted to make an episode about traveling during COVID because it's a topic that has never been breached before, at least on my end. And I know that you guys have been doing a little bit of it yourselves. So can you talk a bit about where you've gone and what you've done? Sure. Uh, We actually did a four-week trip. We went out to uh, Nebraska, Wyoming, Idaho, Montana, Montana. South Dakota, Um, for four weeks and said Airbnbs, hotels, saw, you know, Yellowstone, Grand Tetons, Mount Rushmore. I actually did a lot and saw a lot of people, like a lot of people out traveling uh, while we were out there. Yeah. Um, but you know what? We weren't still for having seen a lot of people. We weren't actually with a lot of people um, because we were in places like the Tetons and things like that. It was just our family of four. And um, we really weren't near people for the most part. Um, and we, you know, we took some precautions obviously to keep ourselves from being in groups or things like that too. So, so I, I have not gone anywhere since March. The last place that I went was to Orlando in early March for PodFest Expo that was held down there. So it's interesting to hear your perspective because you've been to all these places. And so, I'm curious about whether you think it's safe for other people to travel or what your recommendation would be for people who are asking, is now the time? Is it okay again? Um, you know, I really think that this is a very personal decision. Yeah. Um, we, we've, we've <laughs> caught a lot of flack from friends and family that thought what we were doing was very, very wrong. Um, and then there have been other people on the other side who are like, why aren't you traveling more? You know, we rely on you to do that and to tell us what's out there. Um, we're somewhere in between and we just take a lot of precaution and we're careful about what we do and where we stay. And we try to negotiate that and we take social distancing very, very personally and we wear our masks and we clean things like mad. Yeah. And, and we, and the thing is, is we completely understand people that don't feel comfortable to travel yet. I mean, we, we put out a few videos on you know how to travel nowadays in the U.S. and our friends that means to travel. We did one on traveling in the U.K. right now. It really is. It's like, look, this is like Jocelyn said, very personal. Like, if you don't feel comfortable, it's totally fine not to travel. If you do feel comfortable, there's ways you can do it. Yeah, and I'll say from the other side of the coin, from the perspective of the service provider, because I'm a tour guide and still trying to run tours, is that I'm very happy to hear that your comfortable traveling, but that you're also taking it so seriously that you're taking it as seriously seriously as you are. We're always worried about keeping our own staff safe, especially, you know, service providers who are interacting with the general public a lot, folks who work in museums and restaurants, tour guides. And so it's very good to hear that that is your perspective. 
Yeah, and I think uh, when we've gone to museums, we've gone to and places we've gone to, people have been very accommodating wearing their masks and stuff like that. I mean, you you see the really bad stuff on like Instagram and YouTube, like, oh, this person wouldn't wear a mask, so there was a fight. But in general, I thought people were pretty decent at wearing the mask. Yes. The travelers, the tourists were, I, I found the tourists were much more mask friendly and mask wearing. So the tourists were, seemed to be. Um, people were very aware. And it, I recently, I, I also took my mother to go look at RVs this week and it, it's an outdoor place and you know, whatever, but the place was a bit far away and so we needed to spend the night in a hotel. Um, and quite frankly, the hotel was almost empty, but like I, I was standing to get on an elevator and this woman was there and she looked kind of rushed. And so I was like, why don't you take this, this lift and I'll go after you. Um, and she was like, that's really kind of you. So people are aware they're cognizant of, of the space and, and are kind to others about it generally. So that's really good to hear. We're going to talk about museums in depth a little bit more in a few minutes, but I want to turn back to a question that I get asked a lot, and I know that you mentioned this in in one of your videos on this topic. People want to know, when are things going to open? Specific things. When is the Capitol (laughs) going to reopen? When is the Air and Space Museum going to reopen? And for the most part, the answer is we don't know. And it's very difficult to plan right now because reopening dates are not guaranteed or even reliable. So how are you guys navigating that? Yeah, it's day by day. It right? is day by day. We our plans were very flexible in terms of what we can do. So we we were like we're going to be in this. We ended up staying places almost five or six days at a time, just in case to make sure we could do something. In case they did have limited numbers, or it was closed, or oh, we're we're closing early today. Um, so that that we, has we been. you know if you if you can't be flexible. I don't know how you're going to do it, quite frankly. Um, we were very blessed to be able. Our kids are um, doing school online, and Mark's classes that he teaches um, all are all online. So we had the ability to to move our schedule around and, and roll with the punches because there were times when things weren't open as they normally would and or they would change even while we were gone. Um, yeah. Some of the museum times actually changed. And some people were getting up. There were some travels we saw that were getting upset. Like, well, Google says, I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, Google says the time is, and they might have the times on the wall and at the door, but it could be different because they might be, you know, there's a lot of places when we were in Wyoming that were closed mm-hmm. and even earlier. So it's like, look, you had to get all your shopping souvenir, everything up like six or seven, you know, and it was like, Hey, because we got to close. Like, you need wanna, to call the place. Yeah. Like if you want to go and see something, call ahead and say, you know, I plan on being there next week on Wednesday. And what are your hours going to look like? Blah, blah, blah. But be, but be realistic. That may change. If they have a sudden spike over the weekend, it, that may not be the case. And so we, we as travelers have to be aware of that and able to, you know, and don't yeah. get fussy with people. They can't help yeah, this. Nobody likes do. it, you know? Yeah, that, I think that's the one thing is just take the patience and just understand that, hey, you know what? Part of your trip probably is going to happen while you're there. So just realize that's just the way it is right now. And it's easier to roll with it that way. Mm-hmm. Maximum flexibility, I think, is the key to what you've just described. And one thing I've noticed uh, about what's happening here in Washington, D.C., is that they're not giving very much lead time on reopening announcements. And I think that's because they don't want to have to go back on them if they need to. So, for example, when Ford's Theater Museum reopened, they only gave a few days and they said, okay, on Wednesday we're going to open. And then they did. And I think that that's good in a way because it 
leaves out the chance that someone gets their hopes up and then, you know, for whatever reason, they're not able to open. But on the other hand, it makes it very difficult to plan because if that's one of your must-sees, for example, you can't really plan around it. You just kind of have to hope you get lucky. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things. And that's not just in the U.S. That's all over the world. Like, Because people will get mad at me. They're like, well, it said they were going to open up November 1st, and, and now they're not sure. I'm like, yeah, it, it's probably not going to be November 1st. You know, Well, then it'll be two weeks later, they said. I'm like, yeah, no, they'll reevaluate in two weeks. And you just have to realize that things get pushed back and pushed back. And remember, things were supposed to open up in August, and there's things that are still closed down. It's almost November. So setting expectations is critical. Setting realistic expectations, I should say, is critical. And so how have you been thinking about that? How has your family thought about visiting a place and knowing that if you'd been there before, this probably isn't going to be like in the past? (laughs) Um. Yeah, so nothing is going to be like it is. In the, no, nothing about our lives, anyone's lives, is the same, right? Yeah. So just expect that that's the way it's going to be. Um, and and you know, I think that I think the patience also has to be with the people um, like yourself, the people who are in the service industry in in any shape. You know, you have, they're working really really hard, and they're working with significantly less than what they've had before. So it's important to be kind and and to treat people really well during this just because we're all going through it. But there are certain aspects of travel that are suffering. Incre- I mean, all of travel is suffering incredibly, right? So if you're going to go do it, remember to be, you know, just kind and and easygoing about yeah. things, right? Well, I think I think if you're looking at actual planning for your trips, Rob, it's one of the things you're kind of alluding to is you have to give yourself leeway on both sides. You have to give yourself plan Bs, plan Cs, plan Ds for anything because yeah. you you might think, oh, we're going to go to Orlando, it'll be fine, but then you get there and like, oh, well, the park you have to stay on property, get in the park maybe. And so you really have to do your research beforehand and, and realize that look, usually you might have it that Monday we do this. Monday is air and space. Tuesday is for a theater. Wednesday is the Capitol. You know what? You might want to have like three options for Monday, three options for Tuesday, three options for Wednesday, just just because you never know. Because I mean, what we ended up doing well, we was had a doing, lot of outside. Yeah, time we did too. a lot of outside stuff because then it's like, oh, it's open. Like doing a tour with Tripax DC is great because you can do the National Mall and it's outside, and you you know it really makes things a lot easier. And we took some different things because we have kids. So like when we were in the Tetons, um, I take these little packets and the kids did watercolors of the Tetons and um, pen and inks of stuff. And we just sat outside and and drew or colored or whatever. Um, but that took up a lot of time, but it was something that we could do and, and nobody was, you know, nobody's, nobody's schedule was changed, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think something you said earlier with regard to hours and maybe not trusting Google Maps is another important tip. Uh, hours at a lot of places have changed around here. Museums used to all have very standard hours, open 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. or 5.30 p.m. And now when they're reopening, they're often opening with reduced hours. It might be 11 to 4 instead of 10 to 5. And then if things go okay, they'll extend it. Uh, or another one that's that's a big deal is the Washington Monument. So in the old days, most people who wanted to go up to the top of the Washington Monument would show up there at 8 a.m., stand in line, get their timed ticket, and then go. And now, because they're saying they're only letting eight people in the elevator at any one time uh, and up to two families, 
that's a huge reduction in capacity, and they're not even doing in-person tickets anymore. It's all online. So if you showed up and you didn't know that, you're kind of just going to be completely completely out of luck. Yeah. yeah. Research is a is a big thing. And, you know, I don't know that I'd feel comfortable. I'd be fine going up with just my family in an elevator, but I don't know how I would feel if I was in there with strangers, you know? I mean, there's that to be that's thought fine. of. That's why you always wear your mask. Then you'll be fine. That's a good segue into the topic of masks. Uh, in Washington, D.C., masks are mandatory. It's it's that simple. When you're outside your home or you're outside your hotel room, your mask has to be on. And so I think if that's not something that you're okay with, then now might not be the right time to travel. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things you've seen people being banned for life from airlines because they refuse to wear their masks. I'm like, look, when this is over – there's going to be some airlines that aren't in business anymore. And if you're banned from one of the few that survive, you got a problem because <laughs> it's not like they take those bans away. In same Amtrak, you have to wear a mask your entire time on Amtrak. You have to do that. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, you, you, you have to do it, you know? And that's why, I mean, that's why we, we, I mean, we sell our masks on our website um, just because a lot of people, you know, they're like, well, we, we need to have them, so why not? We have like you know, the, it's like when you travel around, you're eating or whatever. You have it, you throw it down, throw it back up. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's one of the uh, the other things is, you know, masks are mandatory. Obviously, you can't eat food through a mask. So there are very very small exceptions, like when you're sitting at your table with your family and your food arrives, then you can do it. But you have to have it on when the when the server comes. I mean, there there are places like that here where. You have it's required to be on. So it, ours is really nice because you can drop it down and pick it up and put it down like a bib almost. But it works really well for that. Yeah, and in that way, I'm I'm kind of uh, it, it's kind of nice to have a very simplistic rule like we have around here because you don't have to worry about it too much. You just know that when you're out and about, you have your mask on, and that's how you're gonna be traveling this year. Okay, so I want to broach a topic that I know we have discussed before, including on this podcast, which is. The Airbnb Airbnb versus hotel debate. I know we had it a few months ago, <laughs> pre-COVID. Yes, Pre-COVID, you guys yeah. were, You could actually talk about normal travel stuff. <laughs> so some of the advice is still relevant, and I encourage folks to go back and listen to that podcast if they're interested in this topic. But I know things have changed. There has been some evidence, at least from just the data on bookings, that people are preferring Airbnb and rentals right now over hotels. So what is your perspective on this? We have done both. Um, I have to say that uh, I I am more confident in the cleaning regimens of the hotels, but where I'm not confident is like, you know, the public spaces, the lobbies, um, things like that. Front desks, I feel comfortable because they've got shields. And and even at that, you're still standing back fairly far um, in most of them that we've experienced. Um, Airbnbs are great because it's just you. It is just your family in that space. But I don't trust the the cleaning regimen because there isn't – there are guidelines. And I've I've read through all of the new guidelines and everything. But it's not like it's a mandatory thing and there's no check – you know, like nobody's going in to check that that's being done. So we, um, we rented a couple VRBOs and things, but it, I still went in and cleaned. The first thing we did before our kids even got out of the vehicle, Mark and I took, um, Lysol and, and wipes, wipes and, and spray. And we wiped every light switch, everything. every door handle, <laughs> 
anything that you would touch we want i mean even refrigerator door handle the fridge the the washer and dryer knobs i know it was psychotic probably but but those are things that probably never get cleaned at 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 some of these rentals who who washes the the washer and dryer knob me (laughs) yeah Yeah, i think that's a really interesting and very valid point is that hotels have a lot more to lose, I feel like, especially the big branded ones when it comes to this stuff. And they've gone to really great lengths. I know I saw in some videos like the Hilton guarantee where they put the sticker on the door that rips when someone uses uses the room so that you know if someone's been in there. Uh, I think the thing that worries me with Airbnb, and I have no proof of this, I'm just speculating, so uh, just so everyone knows, you know, in D.C. and in a lot of uh, big cities and hard-hit places – the hosts are really in a jam. They've lost a ton of money this year. And, you know, this is a place where they can cut costs. Either they can attempt to clean it themselves, to DIY it, and maybe they're not a professional cleaner, or maybe they hire a less expensive cleaner who does a less thorough job. It's just impossible to know exactly what they're doing because it's all kind of behind the scenes. Which is yeah. why I spent 20 to 30 minutes on every place that we went in. Before we actually went in and dropped any of our stuff off, I'm in there wiping everything down. Um, So that was for my own peace of mind. And quite frankly, none of the places that we were in felt unclean. And even after I'm wiping and I'm looking at the cloths, but you also make sure when you read the reviews for rentals, you make sure you read those reviews that like look for words like spotless, super clean beds, you know, super nice beds. Well, and Rob and I talked about that on our last um, podcast together was about how, how, how do you decipher those, those reviews and things. And and I know I mentioned that cleanliness is like one of my utmost things I look for. So. Absolutely. And the other thing you mentioned that I want to unpack a little bit is the public spaces. So in a hotel, you have the lobby, you potentially have, I don't know, a gym if you're going to attempt to use that. You might have a, a breakfast area or something like that. And that is an opportunity to bump into other people. I mean, there's going to be other people staying at the hotel most likely. And if it's not a place with a huge lobby, you might be in there with a, a few other people. So have you felt okay with the hotel lobbies that you've been through so far? Yeah, the ones we've gone to. Because <clears throat> one of the things is when you look at social distancing, it's not just stay six feet away. It's also making choices about who gets social experience. So like when we go to hotels, I will go in and check in, get the key by myself. I go in, check in, get the keys, get everything put together. Then I come back, tell Jocelyn, here's the room number. And she goes and gets the room while I'm with the boys. And then she'll give me a call saying, okay, I got it ready. So then the boys and I will make a beeline with our masks straight to the elevator, go up, you know, and go straight to the room. And it works. Out, it yeah. actually, it works out kind of great. Cause then we get the kids that like transition period, which is actually beneficial. We might hold on to this. If COVID ever goes away, um, we may still hold on to that, that dual person check-in because it makes it easy with kids. Yeah. And, um, but and- I, I have to say I was in, when I took my mom um, to look at RVs, there was the hotel that we stayed in. Um, I was comfortable with the check-in and things like that, but they had the hotel lobby bar open and there's people sitting at the bar with no mask and what, and I was like, I didn't feel comfortable. So we just didn't do that. You know, I mean, it, and there were like, the gym was open. They had, they had breakfast out. 
Um, and we just, that we weren't comfortable with, so we just didn't participate in that. Sure. And I, I will also say, you know, in Wyoming and Montana, the places where you traveled over the summer, any home rental is probably going to be the actual house, an actual house with no one else nearby. In, in DC, you know, it might be in an apartment building with a lobby and with an elevator, in which case you're really not getting any of those perceived benefits, uh, that you would, um, otherwise, so it's really important to actually look into that if you're going to be in a city where that might be the case. Yeah. Right. And, and that's why sometimes it's, I find it's better just when you're in the city, maybe to just stay <laughs> at a hotel right now. If you only got a few days, I mean, you're going to be able to take a thing like you saw on the plane. You know, you got to think about these things, you know, to just stay at the hotel because you know that that's why Jocelyn did tons of research on hotels. And that's why we stay a lot at Hilton's because we didn't like their clean policy. And it was like, look, I, I feel comfortable going there. And yep. I can, you know, they're doing a good job and of control. Honestly, I felt really comfortable with Hilton, Marriott, and IHG. So, like the the big ones, um, I've read through all of their stuff, and I felt pretty cool with all of them. Um, and and so it's like whatever's open of those, but you know, if that's you, you need to look into it again. There's more research. That's that's for yeah, sure during the COVID. The yeah, and what's nice is that when you read up the reviews. Because you can find the local mom and pop places and bed and breakfast. And if there's stuff like, oh, super clean, that's fine. It just it goes back to the Airbnb thing. It's like, you know, there's guidelines, but it's not like, is there people How checking How much do you out? trust it? And I'll just give my take on this, which is I live in an apartment building with a front desk and a lobby and an elevator and have been here since March and feel perfectly fine. So I think that even though it's probably a slightly higher risk than, you know, a house in Wyoming with no neighbors within a mile, uh, it's not like it's completely unsafe. Yeah. Yeah. So have you tried any of the uh, app check-ins? I know I keep seeing the Hilton commercials for use your app to check in, no human contact required. Have you tried any of those yet? Well, I haven't done the ones where you have the actual lock. Um, I have had it where you, you, I've checked in and they're like, yeah, your, your keys is gonna, it's going to be an envelope waiting for you. Um, I, I, don't, I haven't used I any apps that. with the, with the hotels. Um, but we, we had that with the VRBO, but that was, that's kind of how a lot of those check-ins work anyway. It's contactless. Um, anyway, I but never see anybody. Yeah. And the others we saw when we were in Idaho for a week, we only saw the person <laughs> because the internet went out and the kids had school and we're like, no! usually we wouldn't care, but since they're doing online school, we kind of need that to work. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely a crucial amenity in 2020. So let's move to another important topic, which is restaurants. Uh, in Washington, D.C., both indoor and outdoor dining are currently allowed. Uh, indoor dining, the tables have to be spaced apart. The groups have to be spaced apart. Same with outdoor dining as well. So what has it been like in the places where you've been and what kind of dining have you been doing? wherever possible we chose to eat outside because you know i feel like ventilation is probably the most key thing in in distancing um we did eat inside in a couple of places mm-hmm. um all of them you know we had well over 6 feet between us and another table the servers always had masks um we've done it um we I would rather eat outside, so I don't know what's going to happen when winter comes. Yeah, because I know, like where we're at, we're here. We live in Illinois. They have a we have a nice weekend coming up. It's going to be warm, um, and after that, it's going to cool down. They're like our tents are going away November first, and I I worry about those businesses because there's people that don't feel comfortable going inside. 
you know, I know, you know, I've talked to my parents and they were in, they went to, they went, they went all the way to New Mexico, but they said we ate outside every single meal because we didn't feel comfortable eating outside or inside. sorry, inside. They didn't feel comfortable eating inside. So warmer places are going to be, it's going to be easier to do that. But, um, I mean, I'm okay with we it. Also I'm okay with it have now. chosen to, to eat at local places rather yeah. than chains. We, we generally tend to do that anyway. Um, yeah just because we like to support local businesses and, and, you know, owner operator kind of things are important to us. Um, but I think that that's something to kind of like keep in your mind too. Yeah. And we did. Yeah. And we also did a lot of takeaways. So we would just call up and say, Hey, Mm -hmm. or, or actually a few of the places we went in Idaho, we just, we drove up and they're like, you know, Hey, we only have, we can only, I mean, there was that one place we only, they could have six, yeah, they could have six, uh, tables total. And they're like, am I, can we do takeaways? Like, oh yeah, we can do that. I mean, we were, I mean, I they thought. They jumped at that. Yeah, they jumped at it. And the funny thing was, is I thought it would be like 30, 45 minutes to get, you know, the food. And she's like, it was like eight minutes. And I'm like, um, is this food like old? She's like, no, no, it's just like, there's no, we haven't. They don't just, have anyone in there and they're not yeah. busy. They just aren't able to seat more people. So, yeah, so takeaway we, is a great option. Yeah. And so, and especially the VRBO. So we got to have our, our finger steaks or steak finger steaks, steak fingers. fingers. Uh, and fry sauce and lots of tater tots and, and all kinds of stuff. And it was, it was fun because at the, with the takeaways, I'm like, I, we, we'd ordered the food and then I'm like, look, I obviously they need help with the business. I'm like, what's something else? What's an appetizer I should order? Like, tell me some stuff I should get from you as well. Like we, uh, that's as well, but like, like the things I want to have, but then like, what do you suggest from your menu? And then I get one or two extra things just so we had it as we go home. Hey, we can try it when we're there. Um, so well, and, and we could eat it the next yeah. day too. So if you are staying in a house or a place with a kitchenette of some sort, um, ordering more from a local place is only going to help them. And then you have food for the next day too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am not eating indoors. The last time I ate indoors at a restaurant in DC was in February. Uh, I am okay in certain circumstances with outdoors. I think some places are doing a better job than others. It's hard to know. Uh, kind of just by looking at it from the outside without just knowing or hearing about it. Uh, one of the places that I like to go, they have switched to a completely contact, contactless experience. So you now order on your phone. You pay on your phone. There is a human who comes in, uh, delivers your food and your drinks, but you don't hand them your credit card. You don't you know, have any uh, – there's no server who stands there over you and writes down your order. It's all online, and so I think that that's interesting. And I'm really glad that you brought up the issue about local restaurants because there was uh, an article in the Wall Street Journal last week, and the headline was something to the effect of Chipotle, McDonald's, Domino's, business booming, uh, local restaurants all going out of business. And it was like just devastating to read that because it's like, yeah, I don't want any business to go out of business, including Chipotle, but – you know, to see them survive while my favorite neighborhood taco place doesn't, that that's really tough. And I, th- I think that's one of the things is this has been a wake up call to a lot of small businesses and medium sized businesses that look, you know, you can do this stuff online yourself. If you want to survive, you're going to have to do these things going forward. Even if COVID disappeared tomorrow, this takeaway, getting the food, not eating in restaurants, this is going to be here for a while. And I think this has given a lot of these small businesses like the impetus to like, you know what? We, we need to do more better online. We need to do the curbside. We need to do that delivery better because you can't just let Amazon do it all because then Amazon will do it all. Like, look, let's offer some value to them. 
And um, there are those apps like delivery apps and things, which is how a lot of people are supplementing their income by, you know, doing delivery. So, but they also take more from that local business. So it, it's kind of like, I don't know if it's a win-win or a lose-lose. It's it's like anytime, if you want to, if you want to really support a hotel, um, you know, you book direct, like you can look it up on TripAdvisor, but then go find their phone number and call them direct because then they get more of the money. I know Rob, you, 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 we've talked about this before. Yeah, the apps are a really tough one. Um, restaurant apps like Grubhub, Uber Eats, they their standard commission is thirty percent, three zero, and so you know that means on a twenty dollar order, they're keeping six bucks for themselves, and that is a huge amount of money that the restaurant is losing out on. And so some cities, including Washington D.C., including New York City, I believe, the local governments actually said uh, in order to help these restaurants survive, they capped the legally capped how much these apps can charge in commission and uh, in, in order to try to help them. I don't know how long that's going to last. Um, it's the same thing in the tourism industry. When you book a tour on TripAdvisor or Viator or Get Your Guide, those guys are keeping 30% for themselves. Uh, and so it, direct bookings are always the best way to support a local place. I think takeaway is a great way to support a local place. If you're staying at a hotel, if you're staying at a rental, you can take it back to your place. Even if you just take it to a park bench and, and eat it out there. We've got so many parks here in DC uh, that you can just get takeout food from a local restaurant and eat it there. Yeah. I mean, the weather's nice enough. That's, we did that quite a few outside times. Outside is good. Just... We ate outside a lot on that trip. Yeah. And around here, Mark, you asked how are places going to you know cope with the winter? I don't know about Illinois. It gets quite cold and windy in Illinois. Washington DC is, is lucky enough to have relatively mild winters and the local DC government just uh, announced or is wrapping up a grant program where they're going to help the restaurants purchase uh, propane heaters so that people can continue to sit outside. So I don't know if it'll work. Uh, you know, winter is still a few months away here, but we shall see. Fingers yeah, crossed. That's good. Fingers, right? Okay. I want to ask about another important part of a travel experience, especially here, which is museums. Our museums all shut down in March and they took a really long time to reopen, but they are now slowly but surely reopening. And I know in your summer trip, you visited some museums too. So what was that experience like? So Liam and I actually had quite a few, just the two of us. And in general, I mean, it, like we were talking, it's a fraction, a fraction of the number of people. It's not half. I mean, it was like 20% of probably the normal numbers, the place yeah. we went to. Um, when we went to the Wyoming State Museum, which is actually pretty cool, and the Museum of the Rockies in Montana, which is very cool awesome. Museum. I mean, it was like us and like, uh, there was like one Another or two other two families. Family, two other families, maybe, in yeah. a, a, a relatively large museum. And so it was It was really like, it's like if you watch movies and when they in the movies, whenever they go to a museum, there's like nobody there. They can enjoy the picture. And you're like, like it was like that. that. I'm like, oh my God, this, it was so can, weird. I, I'm kind of, it kind of makes me sad because I would love to go and like explore the Vatican Museum or the Louvre right now because there would be no one there, but I can't get there. So um, there's that, you know, there's kind of that thing. But um, we did we did see some museums. Um, we called ahead a week about about a week excuse yeah. me about a week ahead to see that they were open, and then like the day before, I double checked the information. Um, we had to get time tickets at several. Um, it wasn't just pop in at any of them. Yeah, and, and there there was one. They like oh, you, we have a time ticket, but. It wasn't really time. They're like, no, you just come get a ticket. It was more like just a, they only had a certain number, but they made it sound like it was a time ticket. So you had to get yeah. there to buy it at that time. It was, but it you was could use confusing. it all day sort yeah. of thing. So 
Um, I feel like they were sort of limiting a lot, but in several of the museums, there were people in there, I think I mentioned this earlier, who were wiping things down throughout the day. And that, you know, as that made me feel really good. There were also a lot of hands-on exhibits. Pretty much every hands-on exhibit was, was closed. closed. Yeah. So. so like the children's museums kind of stuff or the children's sections in a lot of museums, they were just closed. Like the one we went to the small museum in, um, in Deadwood and they had this, they have a, plesiosaur like the most complete plesiosaur in the world and it's through the you have to go through the children's section to get there but the children's section was blocked off i'm like we came in here to see this and so they had like a back stairwell that that we ended up finding to get down there i'm like you might want to have that better marked if if that's your big thing but yeah yeah, their whole kids section was closed down like they they had like the road closed and i'm glad for that because kids are cootie spreaders right yeah (laughs) if you have children you know that yeah, so the uh, I think the museum here that is perhaps the most interactive is the International Spy Museum. They just opened, unfortunate timing, they just reopened a brand new location at LaFont Plaza near the National Mall. And they have said, I believe the curator of the museum has said that they've had to completely rethink the whole thing, the whole experience, because they can't have the same interactive exhibits that they had before. But also they can't just completely close them down because then they don't have the museum anymore. I used to work in museums, and I can only imagine the the chaos that has been thrown at so many people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I want to um, ask about or mention uh, something you talked about, which is a timed ticket. Uh, just in case folks aren't familiar with the concept of a timed ticket around here, they're now universal, but before this, they were fairly rare. Uh, typically, a timed ticket means that it gives you a very specific time when you can arrive. So it might say, okay you can come to the museum anytime between one o'clock and two o'clock. But if you show up earlier or you show up later, your ticket won't be valid. Yeah. yeah. And those, and there were quite a few of those, even when we were going around yeah. um, there and a lot of them have been, and one thing people should know is like that time ticket where you, you're supposed to come in that window. I saw a lot of like 15 to 30 minute window ones. That doesn't mean you had to see the whole museum in 15 or 30 minutes. It's like you just have to arrive at that time because they know how many people will flow through. So they know the average person will stay for two hours. So they, they plan accordingly because I know some people are like, well, I don't want to only have an Keeping hour. That, like in Illinois, we have, you can't have a gathering of more than 50 people. So they're sort of doing, you know, they're doing the mental math to make sure they don't have more too many people per square foot. And these timed tickets, I will say, at least in D.C., they go really fast. And so it's extremely important. This is perhaps the most important trip hack you'll get out of the whole episode to not wait until the last minute to attempt to get them because I have had more than a few messages in the last couple of weeks from folks who said, I really wanted to go to this museum or that museum. And by the time I looked, uh, they were already all gone. So you really need to start looking early. Um, around here, most of them are distributed the day before the ticket is valid for, but every place is going to be a little bit different. So it's important to look it up before you go. Yeah, that's yeah. another – things are really limited. I yeah. mean, it, it, you might have been able to get 200 time tickets last year, but this year you're getting 40. So, yeah, planning ahead. And, yeah, and the, the plan ahead thing is that's why it's important to call because what you'll see is some – the people have been, we the people I've talked on the phone with museums and stuff like that – Everyone has been super nice and super like, hey, we're glad you're coming. We got time. But they'll they'll be helpful and say, look, Tuesday's a better day to try to come. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, so Ask if you're going to come. that. What they is might the be, best day? What, yeah. what is your lowest because, um, occupancy day? And, and that, we'll go that day. Yeah, and that's one thing, especially if it's only, you can only get the time ticket the day before for those things or go online for it the day before. Then you know, it's like, look, if, it's, if Wednesday's the slow day, 
I'm going to have a better chance to get that ticket Tuesday, the day before on a Tuesday than I would try to get Tuesday's ticket on a Monday. So it, it's amazing how many like little, little tips people will give you. Uh, just, it's just if you're nice and you ask. And you watch Trip Hacks DC and get all the great hacks for the DC area. Uh, yeah, of course. I heard someone say that they had a better museum experience at uh, one of our museums in DC than they've ever had in their whole life for the simple reason that a lot of these Smithsonian museums tend to get rather crowded, or at least they did in pre-COVID. And now, because they're artificially limited, they're not. And so it's like the example you gave of looking at the Mona Lisa, you know, like in the movies where it's just one person in an empty room looking at the Mona Lisa. That is Never 100% happened. not how it looks in real life. But maybe, maybe it looks closer to that than it ever has before. And that's why the people that if you have a chance, like, Rob, I'm jealous of you because you're there. You can go see these things, whereas we're here where there's not as many things to see. So if you're going to go, I recommend, you know, see those museums you hadn't gone to see before or you, you've always you've gone before. Be like, it would have been nicer if it wasn't as busy. Now's your time to go. I certainly felt like that at several of the museums in D.C. when we came and you gave us a tour and then we went and saw the museums. And I was like, it'd be great, except there are all these people, <laughs> you know, you're like you're. You're just smashed in together like like sardines, and and now we're not. So, um, if you're comfortable with traveling, this is kind of the time to go to a museum. If you're a museum person, uh, for sure. And if you live nearby, that's one thing that uh, it kind of frustrated me a little bit. To be completely honest, uh, in the summer, the National Mall was empty. I mean, in a way I've never seen before on beautiful summer days. And I kept telling everybody who lives here, I was like, you've got to take advantage of this because it definitely didn't look like this before and it may not ever look like this again. This is a very rare moment in history to do it. So I want to run through a f- some activities and give an update on where they stand in Washington, D.C. And then I want to ask you, Mark and Jocelyn, if this is something that you would do if you were traveling here right now. So the first one, a bit self-serving, is a Trip Hacks D.C., outdoor walking tour of the monuments what do you think hell yeah (laughs) without Without reservation without a doubt my friend yeah so it's an outdoor activity uh which means you have plenty of ventilation uh it's you know a walking tour which means there's no vehicle involved you don't have to you know get into a bus or anything like that uh near anyone and the monuments for the most part are pretty big and open and spaced out And also you give really great tours. We know. (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Uh, So it sounds like that's pretty pretty unanimous. This next one I don't think will be quite as unanimous. The Washington Monument. Would you go get in the elevator and go up to the top of the Washington Monument right now? I I actually – said this earlier if because you said only eight are allowed and if those eight people were my family great if they're the people that i'm living with sure but i would not feel comfortable having our family of four with another family of four that's me personally yep and that's just the elevator once you get up to the top there's going to be even more people up there in an enclosed space and and if i did i would definitely have a mask well, you'd have to have like, a mask. I mean, well, you have to have a mask anyway, right? But I might double up on my mask. I don't know. I, I would. That one would be kind of not sure about that one. You might go with the paper mask and then the N95 over top of it like some people have started doing. Or two of the Walters. And, 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 the, and the bubble. And the hazmat. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd probably go up. I've, I've never been up, so that would be enticing to me. Okay. Uh, the next one is one that completely shocked me when I heard that it uh, was back. The White House public tours are back officially. 
They're being run on. They're being scheduled on Fridays and Saturdays only, from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. So very, very limited capacity, and you still have to go through all the old-fashioned channels to get a reservation. But if you pursued this and you were lucky enough to actually get a reservation, would you do it right now? How many people are in it? That's a good question. I don't know the exact number of people who are in it. If they're letting like 500 people in, no. But if it's like 15 to 20 and it's you're able to space out, I, I for me, that would be no different than going to a museum. Sure. And it is basically like a museum, the part of the tour that you get to see that's open to the public. Now, in the press release, it said that capacity is 18% of previous capacity, 1.8, which is a huge decrease. But what wasn't entirely clear to me was whether that's because it's only open two days a week or whether... It's only open two days a week, and it's reduced to eighteen percent on those two days. So, oh, that's some and good marketing. Was, there. And also, <laughs> what was the hundred percent? Like, how many? What was the average number of people visiting that was a hundred percent? Because then I understand how much you're getting in. You know, oh. it's it's government. They're talking out both sides of their mouth. <laughs> you're you're very analytical, Jocelyn. I appreciate your uh, approach to this. I think the answer for me would be no. Um, for the reason that I just don't think it's that interesting to begin with. Um, people who have come on Tripax DC tours and watched uh, the video I made about my less favorite Washington DC sites, so sites know that I don't think it's one of the more interesting things for a visitor to do in town. No, because I think I did that on my eighth grade trip there in many, many years ago, and I don't remember that part, so it must not have been. And I've never been, so maybe that's why I'm a little more apt to do it. Also, I love architecture, so that's kind of part of my impetus too. Okay. Okay. Uh, the next one is the Capitol tour. This one has not opened yet. And I think the reason I'm speculating again, that it has not opened is because the standard tour size for a Capitol tour pre COVID was about 40 people per tour guide, which obviously is far too many. And, uh, some of the corridors in the building are rather narrow. So, I guess my question is, is there a circumstance where this would be a yes for you? Well, plus you have all the people working in the Capitol, right? So I think that that's a no for me. Um, it would have to be like a one guide, our one family guide and me. <laughs> kind yeah. of thing, then maybe. Um, I mean, it'd be cool because I, I remember that and that was a cool, I liked, I liked seeing the Capitol and back in the day. Actually, so. architecturally, I'm more interested in the Capitol than I am in the White House, but we could always, I would we, feel less We would definitely get our pictures out front though. Because How's that? I, I do know it's really hard to, like, I know that um, the space is, is more constrained in, inside the Capitol. So I think that um, that would, that would hold me back. Yes, you're right, Jocelyn. And something that sometimes people forget, including me, is that the Capitol is not a museum. It is a place where real humans work. They have jobs to do. And so it's not like uh, opening a museum in the sense that you can, you know, take all the tourist considerations and make that the top priority. Uh, right now, they kind of have to be the secondary priority. So I think there's a lot of reasons why it has not reopened yet. We'll see um, if there's progress and if they do open it. But I think this one also would probably be, at least right now, a no for me as well. Okay, how about a concert? And I mentioned this because in October, the local government started a pilot program where they allowed a small number of concert venues to host shows for up to 50 people. Five zero. 
And so, and it's not just 50, you know, crammed into one of those tiny little clubs uh, where you see the underground bands. It's a big venue like the Kennedy Center um, and people do have to be spaced out. Oh, if I could go with 50 other people to a Kennedy Center um, show or concert, I would definitely do that because one, it's a voluminous space, right? Um, And also to be able to see something there with just 50 people would be... I That'd think it cool. would be quite but an it, experience. For me, it would have to be like the Kennedy Center it, because yeah. I, if it was a small, like you said, like the underground band kind of stuff, I, nah. I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I couldn't do that. Kennedy Center, yes, but I couldn't do it um, at a smaller venue. And, you know, if I were in D.C. and there was like an outdoor concert, I would make sure to book something where I could open my windows and listen. And that would be just as good to me, hey, you know? That's how I heard Rolling Stones twice. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the way to do it cheap. Heard from outside. I'm like, hey, that's pretty good. Yeah. Okay, how about sports? Right now, we don't have any live sports happening in Washington, D.C. because NBA and NHL seasons are over. And the uh, Major League Baseball World Series is happening. The Nationals are not in it. But if you've been watching the World Series on TV, you might have noticed there are actual human people in the stands. So what are your thoughts on sports if they come back? I'm not a big enough sports fan to do it. I know Jocelyn would probably want to go to the University of Georgia games. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm good. I, you I'm know what? Guy. If it's a team I love, like the Georgia Bulldogs, um, and it's outside and I'm able to distance and, you know, there, there are really strict rules happening right now. I know that um, the SEC in particular is like, it's like a, the first fine for going over your capacity or your limitation is like a hundred grand and it keeps going up from there. So they're pretty serious about it. Um, and I, I think it would depend on the place. And I certainly would want it to be an open air stadium, not, you know, something closed. And, and so, I don't know, it's kind of, Back and forth for me, but no. go dogs. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, sounds like Mark's not not the big enough sports fan to make it work. Which is which is fine. I think if you're not into it, then you're not into it, and you shouldn't do something that you don't like just because it seems like something you should do. Yeah, right. and, and that's the thing is sometimes like I, and that we actually when, we, when people travel, like if you're not into that, let your other buddy go by themselves and you do something else because you don't want to be the miserable person ruining their special experience. Yeah. So you go ahead, babe. I'll stay home with the kids. Well, Mark and Jocelyn, I really appreciate you spending the time to talk about this and give folks tips if they do choose to travel right now. I want to wrap up with a few parting thoughts um, that I have and that I uh, want to see if you have as well. And, you know, the, the thing that comes to mind for me is in March, we talked about COVID and we said things like, as soon as this is all over, I'm going to go do all this great stuff. How naive we were. I, th- I think that because we'd not really experienced it yet, we thought that one day we were going to wake up and it was just going to be over, done, uh, a thing of the past. And it seems like that's just not going to be the case. And so it seems like we should start mentally preparing ourselves for uh, a good deal into the future, that things are not going to be the way that they were on a trip in 2019. I think things are going to change. And then those things like masks and social distancing are still going to be a part of life. I mean, this may be what the rest of our lives look like. Um, or, you know, I mean, who knows? It's, it's, it's a virus and viruses mutate and they change. And so who knows? Yeah, I think it it's possible if I'm running tours in summer 2021 that we're still wearing masks on the tour. 
I don't think that that's out of uh, the realm of possibility. No, I fully expect masks to be a thing off the next 2021 travel year. Yeah. I, I, I highly doubt it will be a, this, this, it will be the travel accessory of 2021 is the mask because yeah. there were no travel accessory. No, the travel accessory of 2020 was canceled ticket. <laughs> 2021 will be your mask to go travel. Yeah. Around here in Washington, D.C. and elsewhere, of course, we talk about travel in terms of pre-9-11 and post-9-11. And we'll say things like, you know, pre-9-11, you used to just be able to walk up to the White House in the morning and they'd let you inside to look around. And that doesn't happen anymore. And same goes for a lot of the other security uh, that's in place. And I think that we'll be using similar phrases when we talk about COVID as well in terms of travel. I agree. I I feel like we already are. Yeah, we just haven't got to the post side of it. Remember, we, remember we February? About, yeah, we remember the pre-COVID travel, but no one knows any travel. Now it's just during. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to say is something that you both brought up earlier, which is to have patience right now and in 2021 and for however long it's going to take. Uh, because we don't we don't like this as much as you don't like this. I don't like having to have a mask to give the tour just as much as you don't like having to have the mask to take the tour. But this is what it's going to take uh, to make it work for now. And so the patience to understand that is just really, really critical, I think. You need to just be really kind and respectful of other people's situation because all of them are different. Um, everyone has different health concerns. Everyone has different jobs. And, and we're all juggling new things. And so we just need to be treat one another kindly, you know? Like I said, patience and grace. Yeah. All right. So, Walters, where can people go to watch your travel videos, read your blog posts, and keep up with you? So, you can check us out on waltersworld.com. Oh, just look at it right. Oh, reversed. Um, <laughs> waltersworld.com. If you want to see, read the blogs. If you want to watch the videos, go to youtube.com slash waltersworld. Um, you can also... Waltersworld.store. Waltersworld.store if you want to pick up some masks. Um, you can also find us on at Twitter at Walters World, Instagram at Walters World, or at Jocelyn Walters World. Yep. Um, also, Jocelyn has her own channel called Simply Jocelyn. So just look up Simply Jocelyn on YouTube. You can find her there with some other stuff. Um, you want to talk about your channel? Um, so my channel is like a lot of, it's like globally inspired stuff because our lives are, are very globally inspired. Um, so I do some videos on food and some on just Cooking, travel, travel. And yeah, so mine's kind of a, a mishmash of things but it's all kind of based upon our experience of travel and i'm a subscriber and i can endorse it thanks thanks rob you're the best man thanks again guys thanks for listening to the trip hacks dc podcast to see the show notes from today's episode get additional resources for planning your trip or to book a trip hacks dc guided tour visit triphacksdc.com